You know, uh, next, next Sunday we begin an exciting new journey in our children's and our student ministries. Uh, many of you have uh, served with Awana or Adventure Week, and you've done amazing things. God is doing great things through our Awana program. And many of you are part of that. God is doing amazing things through Adventure Week. And many of you are part of that. And God has been doing amazing things through our children's ministry. But one thing we wanted to do is we asked this question, what if we could make Sunday mornings seem a lot more like Awana or Adventure Week? Where the volunteers are part of a team and they're loving it. And the kids are experiencing uh, a ministry that's designed and, and for them and that they are intrigued and engaged by. And so I wanted to give you a quick little taste of that before we get into the message. I had something in my mouth. Uh, this is Pepsi. Pepsi, can you come over here? This is Pepsi. Thanks, Ellie. This is Pepsi. I'll, I'll come up here so you can all see. This is our little dog. He's a, he's a tiny little chihuahua. And he's a rescue dog. Years and years ago, I, was, I, I, I did something foolish as a dad. I went to the pet store with my kids. <laughs> While we were there, they were having a, a dog adoption, a dog rescue day. And, and I remember just this feeling in my heart, the prompting of the Spirit of God. And you may think that I'm an idiot for this. You may think I'm crazy. But I honestly, I felt in my heart, God wanted me to get this dog. And that's not normal for me. I'm not like a, a pet person. I'm not a lovey-dovey dog lover, you know. Um, but what was amazing about, well, one thing we're going to do in children's ministry we're going to use examples like this to talk about creation. Did you know that if you hear something stupid enough times, it's going to seem more reasonable each time you hear it? See, our kids, there's a whole wave. The whole world is preaching the gospel of evolution, which is basically saying that you and I don't matter. And they're hearing this from every angle, every children's show, every... Dinosaur book is about how we have evolved and there was no God in the picture. And we want to use examples like Pepsi because Pepsi is unique. Pepsi, even among chihuahuas, he's unique. This is him. He doesn't bark. He doesn't really move. He's basically a stuffed animal that's alive. <laughs> but you know what's special about Pepsi? He is a God-designed comfort dog. When we bought Pepsi, we were surprised that he was not a yapper. He came and he was just part of our family. And when we left for India, we left him with Gramps and Grammy. And you know what he did for my mom and dad who were scared and, and sad that their family had moved 8,000 miles away? He was there for them. He sat on their lap. He comforted them. For my grandma, 
the last few years of her life, he would sit on her bed with her, and he would just sit and snuggle. And when we came back from India, Ellie and Mercy and Raiden, we were, we were beat up. We were crushed emotionally. We had been through some tough things. And we came home, and here's Pepsi. And he's there for you. Now, the world will tell you he evolved, that he's just a product of natural selection. But to me, he's evidence that even among chihuahuas, he's unique. He's special. There's no chihuahua like this guy. And you can't tell me that God didn't have his hand in this. This is what we want to do every week. Ellie, will you come get Pepsi? Every week we want to have a little picture called Creation Corner where we'll have a snake. You might come to church and there's pony rides on the ball field. You might come to church. We want to, in every single Sunday, we want our kids to be reminded that they were created, that we are living in a creation that has a creator and a designer who loves and cares for his creation. Now, we're going to try to do this. Basically, every Sunday morning is going to be a three-hour disciple-making party. We're going to check in and register over at the gym, and parents will come and check in. There will be music. There will be fun, but they're going to come and check in, and we're going to do this as a team of volunteers, and it's going to be a blast. We're going to laugh a lot, but every child is going to be cared for and feel that they're cared for. Every child is going to understand and discover in God's word. And every child is going to obey God's word and make a plan for how they're going to obey that day. And every child is going to be encouraged to share. Care, understand, obey, and share. That's what we're going to do. And the students, some of you students are here between 6th grade and 12th grade we're going to have this for you, but it'll be different. <laughs> it'll be a different level. And we're going to have this all, if you're 18 or younger, you're going to have an encounter with God that's designed specifically for your age group and relevant to you. That's what we're beginning next week. It's a journey. It's a beginning. It's not a finished product. But it's something I'm very excited about. And I believe God called Nicole and I here for just such a time as this. And to help us take this next step. And so this morning, I wanted to talk to you about children, because that's what God has put on my heart these last few months. And I want us to look in this passage, but before we do, I want you to know, we need 76 people from this church who are willing to give three hours a month. That's all we're going to ask. Three hours a month. 76 people. We are almost there, you guys. We need about 20 more, 20 to 25 more. I want you to pray about what your part might be. On the back of this page here is just kind of a list of the, the personnel needs we're looking for. We need, we need more people with the youth church that'll help make that fun. We need people more with the little, the little guys. We need more people with the elementary age. Okay, so pray about it. What could your part be? I promise it's going to be fun. I promise it's going to be disciple-making. And I promise that God is going to work in powerful ways. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for your love. 
I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share with these, these your loved ones. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you speak to us? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give you just an opportunity to ask God to speak to you whatever he wants to say this morning. Is there anything in your life you need to set aside? Any worry? Any strife? Any sin that you need to confess to the Lord? Do it now. Let nothing stand between you and God this morning. So Spirit of God, we pray that you would fill us, that you would use us, that you would do something amazing in our midst this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, so here's this passage. The first thing we did was put it in our own words. What was the story was that first question that we asked. Can I put the story in my own words to you? Is that all right? Are you with me? So Jesus is there. He's teaching. He's doing his normal ministry. And some parents decide to bring their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. And the disciples, being the typical disciples, right, they go to these parents and say, hey, we, you don't get it. You don't understand Jesus is busy doing the important adult ministry, all right? He doesn't have time for kids. And Jesus, he must have known, he must have heard this happen. And he called the children to himself. Kids, come here, come here. He called to the children and said, come here. And then he said to his disciples, don't stop them. The kingdom of God belongs to people like these guys. That's who heaven belongs to. And then Jesus said, I'm telling you, unless you become like a little child, heaven is not for you. That's pretty heavy stuff. So the first question I want us to address, it's on your page. What sticks out to you in this? Write it down. What sticks out to you in this? As you read through this, as you really thought about this, as you put it in your own mind and put it in your own words, what was it that gripped you? Was there anything that you were like, wow, that was, that was powerful. I did not recognize that, or I had forgotten that. What is it in you that really resonated? What is it in this that really resonated in you, I should have said? You want to hear something that really stood out to me? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Heaven, the kingdom of God, it's for children. It's, it's for these little ones, little children. Heaven is for them. I always imagined kind of heaven is like clouds and choirs and harps and halos and all that. But now... I'm thinking of heaven as this massive playground where people are running. And I don't think it's a real actual playground. That was kind of a joke. But here's heaven. And Jesus is saying heaven is for ch children or the childlike. 
Is that powerful? To me, that means heaven is going to be filled with awe, filled with wonder, filled with surprise, filled with fun, filled with everything that was wonderful about being a kid. Tree forts, creeks, all of that stuff. Heaven is for little ones. Heaven is for the childlike. That's what stuck, stuck out to me. I can't say stuck, right? That's not really a word. That's what stuck out to me. The next question I want to ask is what do you see about Jesus? Here we are in this passage. Go ahead and write it out. If something stood out to you about Jesus, would you write that down? You know what I... What sticks out to me about Jesus in this passage is he's in the middle of ministry. He might even be in the middle of a sermon. And here are these parents at an inopportune moment bringing their children. And it's an interruption. But Jesus, brothers and sisters, Jesus was a master at turning interruptions into ministry opportunities. He was a master at glorifying God in the middle of an interruption. In fact, if you look through the stories of Jesus, look at how much of his ministry was done in the context of being interrupted. It was happening all the time. He was always going this way, and somebody came to him. Or he was in the middle of this, and somebody stood up and asked him this. Or sometimes he's trying to get away from people, and they meet him on the other side of the lake. So much of his ministry was happening, happening in the context of an interruption. And then you've got a guy like me who singles in on the focus. One of my gifts is that I have an ability to think about one thing. One of my curses is I have the ability to think about one thing. One of my struggles, that's a strength and a weakness, is I, I, I focus on the main thing. That's all I really think about or focus on. And so if, if I'm on this task and you come to me and you're like, hey, Ben, you know, I stubbed my toe, I'm going to really just focus on my task. That's just kind of how I'm wired. Here's Jesus. He's, a, he's God in human form. And he's living life and he's showing us what the God life looks like. What does heaven on earth look like? Jesus was showing us. And Jesus exemplified a pattern for us to follow. Most of his ministry you see in the Gospels is in the context of an interruption. What an amazing Savior. Tells me he's, he's got time for me. I can, I can interrupt Jesus. That's powerful to me. What are you going through this morning? Did you know that, that Jesus wants to hear from you? He is a savior who cares about you. That's something powerful that I learned about Jesus this morning. So the next question we ask is what do we see about ourself in this passage? 
In this passage, what do you see about yourself? Go ahead and write that down. Or maybe you want to generalize it. What do you see about people? You can write that down too. Are you thinking? Nod your head if you're thinking. Shake your head if you're like, no, I refuse to think. (laughs) I'm at church. Why should I think? No. We want you to hear from God. And you you know what I think? I, I honestly believe that what God has to say to you is even more important than what I have to say to you. And I believe in my heart that God has given me this message to share. But before I share it, I want you to hear from God. I want to give you an opportunity to become a Bible scholar, basically. So what do you see about yourself? One thing I see about myself in this passage is don't stop them. Jesus said, let the children come to me, don't stop them. Am I somebody who stops children from coming to Jesus? Last night, I had to prepare for this message. I was going through my final thoughts, organizing all the things that God had put on my heart. And here comes Mercy. No, just stay there, sweetie. It's okay. She's like, what? What? My dad? What? (laughs) No, she came in there. And uh, I had the World Series on mute. I was just kind of watching the score, lamenting what was taking place. And uh, here comes Mercy, interrupting me. And uh, my first instinct, you're going to really judge me on this, and that's okay, because I have a Savior, thank God. But uh, my first instinct was, Mercy, Daddy's focused on something. Um, You're going to have to give me some space. But you know what I did? Because of this passage, because I was actually talking about this, I was able to put it into practice. And so I just sat there, snuggled with Mercy for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden, she started talking to me about, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working on my talk for tomorrow. And so I told her the story. I said, Mercy, hey, now what was the story? You tell me. And she told me the story. And sometimes I had to say, and then what happened after that? And then what happened after that? And at seven years old, she's telling me the story. She's putting the passage in her own words. And then we went through each of these questions. And it was this powerful time where God did something wonderful. And it was in the context of an interruption just because I was open to it. It was powerful. And somehow, at some point later in the evening, we were all in there as a family. And we were playing Simon Says. And I don't know where that came from or how that happened. But we were laughing a lot And it was one of those special moments, one of those snapshots that you want to have as a family. And you know what? Those moments are fleeting. They're few and far between. They're precious. And some of you know how precious they are because those moments are over for you. And here we were. Because God was working in my life, I was able to remember that in the middle of an interruption, that's where life happens. And so here's Jesus, and he's saying, don't stop them. One of the things I see about myself is that I tend to be a stopper. 
There's parts of us, maybe, as, as a church or as people, as adults, that we tend to be stoppers. That we tend to make sure the kids are obeying. Make sure kids' behavior is what it should be. Make sure their shirts are tucked in. Make sure this, that, or whatever. And we have a... I'm not saying that this church does, but we as adults tend to have a culture that we have a culture where kids are the afterthought. Kids are less important. The adult ministry is where the money's at. That's where, you know, the great conversations take place. The adult ministry is where the focus should be. We should put all our resources and focus on adult ministry. I'm not saying that our church is saying this. But I'm saying this is what the church, what I've seen, and what I've been a part of. Here's Jesus saying, don't stop them. Let them come to me. Let the kids come to me. Don't stop them. I believe, brothers and sisters, I believe God is calling this church to be a church that powerfully reaches children. That that's, that's going to be what we're known for. That church reaches children. That church loves youth. That church loves kids. This is what God is calling you and I to be a part of it. And it, it could be through prayer. Maybe your job and your focus is to pray, and that's maybe the most important thing you could do. But every single one of us, this is the direction this church is going. Am I right, Pastor Bud? Like, this is where God is leading us, that we're going to focus, and we're going to knock this out of the park, that we, every kid in this whole Shasta County area is going to encounter Christ, is going to be invited to have a loving relationship with Jesus. They're going to be a disciple who makes a disciple. This is a church that is not going to stop children from coming to Christ. And this is what we're going to be a part of. And that's what God is speaking about me and myself is I don't want to be a stopper. In fact, can I take it a step further? Because you and I, we're able to understand the full gospels, the full teachings of the New Testament. We understand, right, that when Jesus left, when he ascended back to heaven, he said, I'm sending the counselor. I'm sending my spirit to you, and you will do greater things than me. And Ephesians 4 says that God has given us pastors and teachers and spiritual leaders so that they can equip the saints, equip the believers, so that together we, the body of Christ, can measure up to the full stature of Christ. Do you realize what that means? It means you and I together, the power of all of us, working together for Christ, with the Spirit of Christ. We are representatives. We are extensions of Christ. It is as though we are incarnation number two. Do you realize? Together, that's what Jesus was saying. This is the church. His body here on earth still. That is who you and I are supposed to be as the church. Now, here's the, here's the point I'm trying to make. Instead of being a stopper, God is calling me to be the first picture of Christ that many will ever see. You 
and me, if we bear the name of Christ, if we bear the spirit of Christ, we are, in essence, a little Christ. We are Jesus. When they see me, they need to see Jesus. When they encounter me, they need to encounter Jesus. When I cross paths with somebody, they need to encounter Jesus. That's what this whole love God, love others thing is all about, right? Can I hear an amen? amen. This is what we're talking about. Because we're so overwhelmed with God, what God has done, because he's really truly working in our lives, we are his representatives. We overflow his spirit, his love to everyone, especially the least of these, especially children. So what does this teach us about ourselves as a church? It's a question for you to answer. Write it down. God is working, but I've noticed another thing this teaches me about people, about humans, is that for some reason in God's divine power, in his love, in his plan, in his knowledge, he is allowing authority to a spirit of unbelief, a spirit of unfaith that is sweeping across this nation. Have you noticed it? People that I've served Jesus with, pastors, even, even missionaries, are getting discouraged, they're losing heart, and they're losing faith. And I don't, I don't know how to identify it, how to explain it, other than it's a spirit of unbelief that God has allowed to have authority. And I think part of it is because we're coming... We're coming close to the end here, people. I don't know if you've noticed, but this whole system we've built cannot sustain. It's, it, it, I don't think it can continue to go indefinitely. And I'm not trying to be a doomsayer. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But what I am trying to say is we're approaching something huge. I believe the return of Christ is any moment. I believe the end times are upon us. But one of the things that I'm seeing is people that formerly were servants of Christ now completely turning against Christ. And part of that is an intellectual reason. And there's some archaeological finds and discoveries that, you know, if you look at it in a certain light, it might look like it seems like, well, maybe the Bible's not true. And there's people that are arguing and disputing all of these things. About 10 years ago, James Cameron, he uh, found the bones of Jesus. Do you remember that? That was all over the news about 10 years ago. And it, it wasn't, of course, the bones of Jesus. But I would not be surprised if very soon somebody finds the bones of Jesus and all the scientists gather together and they say, yeah, there's the bones of Jesus. Christianity is not true. I would not be surprised. Look, we are... In a society even right now where you're not really allowed to base your opinions off the Bible. You're a bigot. You're an anti-intellectual if you're forming your opinions based on what God's word says. You know that's already how it is. 
And what's the next step? Well, the next step is persecution, right? Pretty soon, the government's going to come down on churches that don't marry gay people. The church is going to, I mean, the, the, the state, the government is going to start attacking and start, there's going to be a bullseye on churches like this. And it's not that we don't want to be a church of love and compassion and, and bring joy and peace to people, but we can't turn away from God's word, right? What God's word says is what we're going to follow. But in this world, right now, where we live, you're not allowed, that's not a valid basis of your opinion any longer. And that's the direction we're heading. Pretty soon there's going to be imprisonments. Pretty soon there's going to be property seizures. Pretty soon there's going to be actual persecution. If it costs you your job, are you still going to follow Christ? I mean, that's a real question we need to start asking. In India, we're doing this uh, Muslim ministry. And I just got back from there, and God's doing amazing things. But that's one of these questions that we ask these, these Muslims as they become closer to Jesus, as they start to give their allegiance to Christ. We say, well, is he the Savior of your life? Is he truly somebody? Is he the one you want to give your life to and even die for? Are you willing to pick up your cross and follow Jesus? And these men, they actually live in a context where that is a real possibility. And they're saying, yes, yes, I will follow him, even to death. What about you and me? Here we are in this world, and what this is teaching me about myself and about us as people is we are in a world where we're being flooded with disbelief. We are being flooded by people saying that evolution is the only reasonable explanation for our existence. That is everywhere we look and I'm afraid for my kids I'm afraid for kids in general but especially my kids but when it all comes down to it you guys brothers and sisters listen when it all comes down to it we have a choice to make don't we are we putting our faith in what the humans have built and what the humans are saying that's called humanism. It's been here a while, right? <laughs> or are we putting our faith in who God is and his ability to preserve his word and speak through his word? Are we putting our faith in the supernatural God of the universe and the one we know to be true? Are we putting our faith in him? We all have this choice. And it all comes down to this. But I think of my kids. God bless my kids. But I get down on my knees and I, I say to God, I cry out to God for my kids. Because I know the wave is coming. I know the tidal wave is coming. And so I pray, God, when the tidal wave of doubt comes, when the tidal wave of the world overwhelms my kids, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would hold true to faith in Christ they would know the reality of Jesus because they've seen Jesus in me. That is my prayer. And that's the prayer that God is asking us to make as a church. That they will know the truth because they see the truth of Christ in you and me. And Jesus said, your best apologetic, he didn't say it in these words, but the best proof, the best evidence that people will have to the reality of this is your 
love. They will know who you are by your love. This is my prayer for my kids. This is what this teaches me about myself. Something happens to us as adults. Have you noticed that? I'm a pretty like fun-loving adult. You know, I'll still play an occasional video game. I'll still goof around. I like to laugh. But something happens, we get a little more grouchy. You know what I mean? I think the older we get, we tend to, I think you either get more crazy or more grouchy as you get older, you know? Some of you are like, well, I'm on the crazy side, and God bless you, and I don't know. I, I don't know. It just seems that way. What happened? When did we stop having fun? You know? When did life stop being amazing? You spend time with little kids and they're amazed at a tree. Look at this huge tree. I want to climb it. They're amazed at a little roly-poly bug. They stop and smell the roses. When did life stop being fun? You know? When did we get so bogged down? Do you remember when learning was fun? That's what we're trying to recapture here in our churches, is we want their experience on Sunday mornings to be the most fun moments of their whole week. That's what we're shooting for. When did we lose that? When did we lose that with, with the Lord? Yesterday I was driving and I was listening to some Christian radio and a song came on. It's by a guy named David Dunn and it's, the title of the song is I Want to Go Back. And he's talking about I want to go back to Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's, I mean, it's so basic, right? But have we gotten away from that? Have you sitting here this morning, have you gotten away from, Jesus loves me. And I know it. Because the Bible says it right here. The song said, I want to go back to this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. I won't let Satan it out. And it's so cheesy, I know, but it's actually like, when did we get away from that? How did we grow up? How did we become so sophisticated? How did we become so old? <laughs> Can I say that? I want to say, can I say this? Being old has nothing to do with your body. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> In fact, Jesus says, unless you become like a child, heaven is not for you. Heaven is for those who realize they need a savior. Heaven is for those who are in need. Heaven is for the unsophisticated. 
the anti-intellectual, if the world's going to call us that for living according to God's word, okay, I'll take that. But the bottom line is, Jesus said that heaven is for the childlike. Are we a church that, that powerfully reaches children? Because we have a Savior who powerfully reaches children. Now, is God calling you this morning to return to something? Is he calling you to come back to that awe, that simple faith that Jesus loves me and I know it because the Bible tells me so? Mercy, are you still here? Come here, Mer. This is Mercy. She's our youngest. A few months ago, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and she has handled it like a courageous champ. Oh, Mercy. I want to ask you, does your relationship with God look anything like this? This is what Jesus is inviting you and I to. Does your relationship with God look anything like this? This is how I want to obey this today. Because I want to be a, a kid with my dad. Through the worries, through the strife, through the ups and the downs, and there's a lot of them, isn't there? I want to just put my head on his shoulder and I want to just give it all to him and rest assured that he's got me. And he's got this. I want to just love Jesus in a simple, childlike, humble way. How about you? How are you going to obey this passage this morning? You see, God has called us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. And if we ask a lot of Christians, they would say, yeah, I obey God's word. But today... How are you obeying his word today? That's the question. You know, we're all like following the Ten Commandments. Don't kill, don't steal. That's obvious. But unbelievers are doing that. How are you, obe how are you obeying today? For me today, I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to pray with my kids. And I'm going to bless them in Jesus' name. Because I'm a representative of Jesus. I'm going to put my hands on their head and I'm going to bless them in the name of Jesus because of this passage. What about you? How does God want you to obey this today? Write it down. It's on your page. Good job. Thank you, sweetie. Watch your step. <laughs> the last question is how, who can you share this with? Who does God want you to share this with? You know, you've got this simple, simple page. And the worship team is going to come up here and we're going to have a time of reflection. But these last two questions, to me, this is the crux of the matter. Okay? This is the, the essence, the main point. This is the whole reason we're doing this is how does God want you to obey this? 
and who can you share this with? What I would like to invite you to do is to just take this page. See this page? Everybody, can you hold it up if you've got it? Yeah, there you go. Take this, and what we've just done, go do this with someone else. Love God, love others, right? We're, we're trying to share, we're trying to reach out, we're trying to make disciples, right? Isn't that our whole focus right now in this season of our church? Take this page. Who, who does God put in your mind? And go say, hey, I just heard something pretty cool from God. Would you like to sit down and talk about it with me? Would you like to study the Bible with me? Would you like to 